Seamus glanced to his left at his brothers and cousins. It was his first battle. Ushan and Echen were joking. How could they be joking? Either or both could die in the next few minutes. Lachlan was silent but intense, breathing deeply and staring across the battlefield. Ferker, his uncle, had his head bowed, his red-bearded chin tucked against his chest, appearing to pray. Seamus followed Lachlan's gaze. There were the government troops in their red coats, about 400 yards away and slightly downhill. Oh, please, dear God, don't let me be a coward in front of my family. As if hearing his prayer, Echen turned and smiled at him. Echen's disarming grin helped him relax, if only slightly. One of McCullough's officers shouted a command, bringing everyone's attention to the front and startling Seamus. Men gripped their weapons as the skirl of the pipe struck up, and then, like a wave of the sea, the men around him surged forward. They ran so fast, but his adrenaline allowed him to keep up. At about 60 yards away from the enemy front line, he saw Ushtin bring his musket up and fire, as other clansmen did likewise. Seamus didn't have a musket, but stopped, not wanting to get in front of those who were firing theirs. A hand gripped his left shoulder and pulled down hard. He looked to see his uncle Farrakar, who went into a low crouch, nearly dragging Seamus off his feet to follow. Immediately, government musket balls zipped close overhead. A man to his right pitched back and lay still on the ground. Another man in between Seamus and Oi spun around and hit the ground, clutching his shoulder. Seamus's uncle, cousins, and brothers dropped their muskets on the ground. Before the muskets came to a complete rest, their swords were out of their scabbards, and the men were dashing forward. Battle cries of the various clans rent the air. Gius Niev Andrea, Fruchelen, Kregenon Hiech, Garaganur Ishkar, and Kregur Klan Khatan. Seamus started to catch on and catch up. Kregen Shkarev, he sh- screamed at the top of his lungs. And then there he was, a youth no older than himself, trying desperately to fit his plug bayonet into the muzzle of his rifle. And that's exactly what he was doing when Seamus ran his basket-hilted broadsword through the young man's chest. Another government soldier lunged at him with his bayonet, which Seamus deflected with his targe. He, he responded with an overhand swing of his sword downward and to the left. Seamus was a strong and athletic youth, dispatching the man with a single stroke. Seamus killed two more government soldiers before the whole government force was fleeing. The Pipers changed their tune and the Royalist force chased the government troops. But it was the Gordon Cavalry that cut down the most during the rout. I did it! I did it! I did it! Seamus said over and over to himself, I'm not a coward! Echen appeared at his side and put a hand on his shoulder. You did well, little brother. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scottish Clans Podcast. I'm Clint. Thank you for spending a little bit of time with me today. Now, we are going to be talking about the Highland Charge, which you just heard dramatized there. Before I get too far into what the Highland Charge was, what defined the Highland Charge, and ultimately which clans were involved in actually executing this battlefield tactic, I would like to just cover a couple things before we get into that one as I want to give a shout out to my sponsor USA Kilts. Guys, if you want to get a kilt or you want to get anything that goes with a kilt or you want to get anything that shows your pride in your Scottish heritage, please go over to usakilts.com and they will be able to hook you up with finely crafted products that will be able to display to the world your connection to Scotland, whether it's just interest or there's actually some bloodline stuff there. Go over to the usakilts.com. Also, they have an awesome 
YouTube channel with, it's called USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions. It's got some great content, a lot of stuff on how to wear the kilt properly, background of the kilt, general Scottish culture and and history. So go over there and check them out. It's got a, they got a good YouTube channel. Speaking of good YouTube channels, mine's not quite as good as theirs, nor does it have quite as, as much content. But if you have liked any of the episodes that I've given you, you need to go over to my YouTube channel. Um, it's just the same as this podcast. It's called Scottish Clans. And go over there. To, I, do, I do not have every single episode that I've ever done posted as a video over there. That's a lot of time. Videos, that's, that's some work right there. Um, getting the visual, the visual aids that make videos so helpful put in there, but I do have a lot of content over there. So if you want to go check that out, just barely dropped the full length of the interview that I did with Ethan Hunt on there. It's like two hours. I'd actually have, it's only been on there for a couple of days and I've had some really good feedback. Some people really like that longer stuff. So go over there, check that out. Some really good comments starting to be asked and questions and really good thoughts that are starting to enter into that comment section there. So go check that out. I do have some some content on there that I don't have in podcast form, and I do have some content on there that is just the podcast with visual aids. Another thing I have available that you might be interested in is a an online course on the origins of the Scottish clans. This is directed specifically at people who are somewhat new to the subject. For those of you who have a little bit more experience, a little bit more depth of knowledge, especially at an academic level, so I'm saying for those of you with a little bit more advanced understanding of Highland clans or Scottish clans generally, um, it's, it's maybe it's for everybody below that level. So introductory, medium level, but specifically new people to the Scottish clans. And I, I really do think that it will help you skip years of what I went through of just Google searching things. I, I have, in the meantime, especially going through my master's program and my master, writing my master's thesis, I found out how to find a lot of stuff that I didn't know how to find before. I was in your shoes. And so for years, I thought I knew a lot, but it was very superficial, really. And so I've created this online course that can help you move through and really, in a fairly short amount of time, gain a really solid foundation, add, add a little depth to your understanding of the Scottish clans. So if you go to scottish-clans.com forward slash origins, you can find uh, a simple pathway to get signed up for that online course. The, uh, the YouTube channel's free. The online course costs a little bit of money, but compared to a college course, which is actually geared to be kind of like a mini college course, it's dirt cheap. So go over and check it out on at scottish-clans.com forward slash origins. Um, if you have any desire to contribute to the cause here, scottish-clans.com forward slash team. And without any further ado, let me get into a discussion on what the Highland Charge was. So the Highland Charge, I'm actually not going to try to define it myself. I have been, let me give you some sources real quick. I'm going to read to you real quick from an article on a website called nts.org.uk. The article is written by Debbie Reed and is titled The Psychology of the Highland Charge. Really short, um, concise, but very to the point and very descriptive of what a Highland Charge was. I'm also taking some information from a new book I've got. I do believe I mentioned it in the last episode. In fact, I was just reading from it in the last episode about the Battle, Battle of Inverlochy. 
and one of the greatest military feats ever accomplished in the British military. Um, the book is called Clan, King, and Covenant, History of the Highland Clans from the Civil War to the Glencoe Massacre. And it's written by John L. Roberts. I'm eating it up. I love it. I just, I love it. It's so informative. It's so descriptive. And and it's just everything that I love to study about the, the Scottish clans. And it's specifically the Highland clans. Now, um, that's I'll get to that a little bit later. To start off with, before that, I am just going to read from this article by Debbie Reed, and so you can know what a Highland charge was, and then I'm going to give you some of my own additions to, to the article. Like I said, it's short, it's concise, and I think it needs needs a little bit of a clarification on some points, but other than that, it's a great article, and I'll have a link for it down in the show notes if you want to see it there. So like I said, it's called The Psychology of the Highland Charge by Debbie Reed, who is the Visitor Services Manager at Culloden. Quote, The Highland Charge was a battlefield tactic synonymous with the Jacobites. It was used with great effect against the government armies and was a deadly combination of physical and psychological warfare when used correctly. For those who are unfamiliar with the Highland Charge, it was essentially a battlefield shock tactic. Jacobite soldiers would race towards the enemy, screaming clan war cries. Once within musket range, they would then fire a single musket shot before charging into the front line with swords raised and engaging in fierce hand-to-hand combat. So what made the move so effective? To start, the cries of the Jacobite soldiers made an imposing first impression on the battlefield. The cries served two purposes. They helped to stiffen the reserves of the Jacobites themselves, uniting them together as one force and raising their energy. And secondly, the noise would hopefully frighten the enemy. Imagine facing a wall of men all screaming out various war cries, often in Gaelic, a language foreign to many government soldiers. Bagpipes were also used to add to the noise and intensity, perhaps one of the reasons the bagpipes would later become classified as weapons of war. Before the fighting had even begun, inexperienced soldiers would already be feeling nervous about the foes in front of them, and some even broke rank. As the Jacobites charged forward, they would then fire a single musket shot. This created a smokescreen in front of the enemy's eyes, and for a moment, the army before them would disappear. This single volley was essential to the Highland Charge and distinguished it from previous charges. The smokescreen would be a confusing presence in front of the enemy and would often cause them to panic and fire blindly with their own muskets. For a moment, the enemy would be blind. The Jacobites would then emerge dramatically from the smoke, their muskets thrown down and their swords drawn. This sudden shift in approach would lead to more shock and panic in their enemy. Often at this point, the Jacobites would switch from a very linear approach to more concentrated groupings. Thus, the enemy would be unprepared for the sudden mass of men in one space. The change would be disorienting, and with no time to reload their muskets, the Jacobites would soon be on top of the enemy. Whilst the Jacobites would quickly move, could quickly move from muskets to swords, their enemies often used muskets with bayonets. In the 18th century, these bayonets were plug bayonets that had to be attached to the barrel of the musket, making it unable to fire. The soldiers would be slower to change from firing to hand-to-hand combat, especially under the stress of facing the charge of men coming towards them, giving the Jacobites an important few seconds advantage. The charge was perfectly suited to the Highland clan system where men formed close ties and worked together in tight groups for a common cause. The connections between each other 
were often stronger than those of a basic regiment, and this commitment was key to the success of the Highland Charge. The move was one of high reward, but also high risk. The men had to accept that some would die in the initial rush forward as the enemy fired their muskets. Their, to their enemies, this made the men appear even braver. They appeared unafraid of dying and were willing to risk everything to succeed. The Highland Charge did have its strategic downside, though. It needed to be quick to be effective, and thus was generally used on high ground, allowing the men to gain speed as they charged downhill. They also needed solid ground, which was a considerable limitation at the Battle of Culloden, where many Jacobites were slowed by the boggy ground of the moor. With the introduction of ring bayonets and the eventual progression of firearms, the Highland Charge faded away soon after Culloden, but remains an enduring image of the Jacobite soldiers. All right, now I'm, I'm about to give you a little commentary and a little bit more detail on that. Not that anything in that article was way off, but there are some points I think that are important to be made in addition to what Debbie Reed described there. Now, before I do that, though, I want to give a, a huge shout out to USA Kilts. I know it's January, but I'm looking back. It just seems like just the other day I was going on my last hike in my kilt. Guys, I really, really enjoy wearing kilts, and I really, really enjoy wearing USA kilts. Uh, Rocky and his crew over there make a superior product. They have excellent customer service, free shipping in the U.S. They just are running a really good business over there, and I recommend them to you. Go over to usakilts.com to get yourself a kilt or anything that goes with a kilt or anything else that you think would help to dis display your pride in your connection to Scotland, whether that's just interest or whether you actually have ancestors from there or whether you are currently living in Scotland and or just love your country. So go there. Also, um, they have a cool YouTube channel called USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions. They've got tons of cool content. I have benefited greatly by that content, especially as I've gone to certain functions and I want to know, hmm, what do you think when you need to wear this with a kilt, but it's this kind of a function, and if you have wearing these shoes, I know they got a lot of feedback, a lot of uh, content, a lot of insights on that sort of thing, and plus just some Scottish culture and history and just cool stuff on there. Go check them out. USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions is the YouTube channel. USAKilts.com is the storefront. All right, so let's talk about the the additions to this. Now, Mrs. Reed here connects, builds a connection between specifically the Jacobites and the Highland Charge. Now, that's not incorrect, but I want to back the timeline up a little bit. The Highland Charge did not originate with the Jacobites, nor do, does it draw from the myths of ancient Celtic history either. Now, there is some interesting common threads that run throughout. The enemies of Celtic-speaking people have, clear back to Roman times, described the ferocity of that initial charge. What makes the Highland charge unique from previous ferocious Celtic charges is the use of the muskets and the way they used them, and all that as accurately portrayed by Debbie Reed there. But where it really starts coming into being, and where a lot of people give credit for the invention of the Highland Charge as such is to a military man named Alistair McCullough MacDonald. I've been able to learn a lot about this, this uh, famous warrior military leader from 
John L. Roberts' book, Clan King and Covenant, History of the Highland Clans from the Civil War to Glencoe Massacre. I got it for Christmas, and I have really been eating it up. I don't get as much time, like just unbroken, sit down, reading through it time, and also because I'm studying it, and so I'm not moving through it very quickly when I am reading it. But it has been a wealth of information, and I'm learning a lot about, specifically from a military standpoint, Alistair McCullough. He was from a... If you want to go back in time, back in my earlier episodes, I do have some content from a while ago on the different branches of the McDonald's. Now, I have that as described by Summerled's descendants and where the different branches broke off, but even earlier than that, I have... A, an episode where it talks about the different McDonald branches, specifically the McDonald's in Northern Ireland. And that is where Alistair McCullough comes in. You see, it was Randall McDonald. He was at the Earl of Antrim. And he, when the Scottish Civil War kicks off, you have the Covenanters who are fighting against Charles I and the Royalists who are fighting for him. You have this, uh, this, this conflict, and it's part of a greater conflict with the War of the Three Kingdoms that was spanned throughout the British Isles, um, Britain and Ireland, I should say. The uh, When that's starting to get going, Randall MacDonald, the Earl of Antrim, wants to contribute to the cause. He sends Alastair McCullough on his behalf, who was a kinsman of his. Now, Alastair McCullough had a lot of activity. He, he was not, my understanding, he's from Colonsey, and one of the Hebridean... Hebridean Islands. I keep on messing up on how to pronounce that, but he was he's from the Isle of Colonsey off the west coast of Scotland, and he is not a not too far distantly related to Randall MacDonald, Earl of Antrim. But his and his father had been involved in some stuff and some some conflicts there, but but he had spent a lot of time in Northern Ireland because he is from a branch of the MacDonalds that has possessions both in Ireland and Scotland. In fact, this Irish connection is hugely important for two reasons. One, the Highland Charge, the first ever recorded battle where the description of the tactic was clearly a Highland Charge, the first one ever, was actually in Northern Ireland. It was under Alistair McCullough, MacDonald, and his he was fighting alongside Turlo Og O'Kean. The O'Keans were a major Irish, Northern Irish clan, and as you look at the the forces who fight with Alistair McCullough as he joins in with the Scottish Civil War, and you look at who the different commanders were, it's clear that the Okeans are, as a clan, engaged in this. And I'm not saying the whole fighting force of the clan was in Scotland. I'm just saying they contributed quite a bit. So, in, in fact, this first Highland charge that Alistair McCullough and Turlo Og O'Kean pull off... Um, Alistair will end up using that tactic in Scotland, and I don't know the, the connection between Turlo Og and Manus O'Kean, but Manus is the kind of the co-commander. He not They each take leadership roles under the Marquis of Montrose in the Scottish Civil War, but it's in Northern Ireland that we first see the Highland Charge. That's what I'm, I really want you to know. So you have Alistair McCullough, activities in both Scotland and Ireland, but it's Ireland where the Highland Charge starts, they think. The other reason why Northern Ireland is really important in this story is because when Randall MacDonald contributes forces to the Royalist cause, he puts Alistair McCullough in charge of his 
branch of the McDonald's that come and fight, and they end up bringing a lot of the Northern Irish McDonald's with them, as well as a lot of Northern Irish allies. The Okayans specifically stand out. Now, I am going to mention specific clans later that participated in the Highland Charge, but the, and so I'll, I'll maybe mention a few more Irish clans that were involved in that in helping McDonald's and other royalist forces in Scotland. But just know that when when Alastair McCullough comes into Scotland to fight for the Marquess of Montrose, James Graham, he brings with him a lot of people from Northern Ireland. Some of them are McDonald's, his kinsmen, his clan members, but a lot of them are, are other Northern Irish clans. So that's important for you to understand, I think. Especially because the Irishmen, the Irish contingent of the Marquess of Montrose's forces in Scotland are often um, specified as b- different battles are described. It'll tell you ex- specifically where these Irishmen were and what role they played in the different battles. So they're, they're brought up frequently. So that's important. They play a large role in this, in this fight. And so pushing this farther, what you need to know is that in, in addition to the Jacobite connection that Debbie Reed points out here, you also got to see that it didn't start with the Jacobites. The Scottish Civil War gets, we have the Bishop's War in the late 1630s, and then the Scottish Civil War actually kicks off in the 1640s. So that's before there was such things as Jacobites. And it's likely that Alastair McCullough is the inventor of the Highland Charge. Another thing that I want to point out here, and it's not in correction to anything Debbie Reed says in the article, but something that needs to be noted is that the Highland Charge, not every Highland clan participated in a Highland Charge. One thing is, especially people who are new to the subject need to really understand, is that in the Royalist forces, the Highlanders are conspicuous. However, not every Highland clan was fighting for Montrose. And if Alastair McCullough indeed was the inventor of the Highland Charge, of this unique tactic, this this specific type of a spin off of an ancient Celtic technique, um, if that's true, then if you weren't fighting for or with Alastair McCullough, even though you were from a no-kidding Highland clan, you probably didn't use this tactic. I, I, I've, re- I've been reading on this for a while now, and I can't see anywhere where the government troops, uh, well, I should say the Covenanter troops, That's to say the government troops, that's kind of like a Jacobite term. So if I've used that in the past in this episode, I apologize, because that's a, that's, a, that's a Jacobite rebellion term. In this case, you have troops fighting for, the, for Charles I, but you have a, the government split. Like, it's, like I said, it's a Scottish Civil War, part of the War of the Three Kingdoms. And you have the royalist forces who you're using this charge, and I could never find any example of the Covenanter forces, to use the correct term, using this tactic. Even though Highland clans were fighting on that side, and I can go into detail on which clans those were in a little while. So just know that not every Highland clan, and and if you're from a Highland clan that didn't use the Highland charge, they're not less of a Highland clan. They just were fighting on the side that didn't really use this tactic very often. All right. So those are some important things to keep in mind in the discussion of the Highland Charge. Now, what I'm going to decide to do, since I'm at almost 25 minutes, is I am going to break this episode into at least an, one other section. So 
the next episode will include which clans fought and used the Highland Charge. But even then, I'm going to break it into different sections because I'm not just going to lump them all in the same conflict. The Scottish Civil War was one thing, and then you had the Jacobite Rebellions, which you can compare and contrast, and really was it a civil war as well? I don't know, but it's not called the Scottish Civil War. It's called the Jacobite Rebellions. Jacobite Rebellion of 1689, 1715, 1719, 1745. Yeah, they made a lot of goes at it. But those, that's a diff, those are different conflicts, and the Civil War is, diff, is another conflict, and I'm going to break it down and separate them, and I'm going to tell you exactly which battles from which wars were fought and in which ones was the Highland Charge used and therefore which clans would have participated in that. You can see that that requires a little bit of study and I'm happy to do it. Now, if it does take some time, it does take some effort. If, if you have any desire in your heart at all to contribute to the cause here, please go to scottish-clans.com forward slash team, and I've got some really easy links in there. You can make like a one-time, just here you go, buddy, here's... Here's the price of a of a nice drink, like a energy drink or or a protein shake or something. Or you can go and actually become a subscriber on Patreon, and I've got that all set up and it should be pretty easy to do. So you can contribute that way. Or there's a bunch of free things to enjoy. If you just go to scottish-clans.com, you can there's there I got free resources. I I I love free stuff, guys. And so it's okay if if you don't want to contribute in a monetary way. Um, one thing that can doesn't cost you a dime that you can contribute with is if you're this is Apple Podcast you're listening to this on, which most my statistics say most people do listen to it on that. Will you go and leave me a review? Rate it as of of course, of course you would rate it five stars. Of course you would. I'm just kidding. Rate it what you feel comfortable. Leave specific uh, comments in the review part there. Um, subscribe to this. Every platform you're on has a way to subscribe and to share. So that'd be another free thing that you could do to support the cause here is to share it with somebody that you think would enjoy this content. There's tons of people out there who still don't know about this. I'm not a great marketer, so it spreads by word of mouth, and that's where you come in. Um, but go to scottish-clans.com, um, not forward slash anything. Just go there, and you can find tons of other free stuff free for you. You're doing nothing for me. You, there's some things you can study, PDF links, um, free. I got some maps on there. I've got some, some contemporary sources. I've got, I believe on there, I've got a link to my master's thesis, which I wrote, wrote on the Scottish clans. It's kind of what got me directly leading into this. That's what helped me transition from a guy who's interested and does a Google search every once in a while for something to somebody who's actually studying this on an academic level and trying to share it with people. So thank you for joining me so much today uh i appreciate your time which is probably the most valuable thing you could donate to me and 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 yeah well hopefully join me next time